Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcast, and this is episode 95. And today we're talking about what does rest look like in the midst of busyness. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this conversation again. It's been a minute, but it's been good. We've had a chance to reflect, and we're excited to jump into a number of different conversations over the next little while and to be able to share this with you guys. And especially as we have come out of, or at least we are starting to come out of the pandemic and how it has changed life and how in the midst of it, we've noticed things that have happened in our culture and in our lives. And we want to be able to bring these things to the conversation and share it with you guys as our listeners. And so we are, for the first time in a long time, re-recording back in our pseudo studio. And everyone here is around the table. And we have Xenia, Bernard, Shu, all together. How are you guys doing? It's kind of cold down here, but it's good. Yeah, it's actually much colder than I expected. <laughs> Yo, we got a big screen, you know, <laughs> yes. to watch movies right here. You can work right. out on the side. That's right. That's read some right. comic books. Yes, this this studio is a, everything for <laughs> for a lot of different things. But yes, you know, the coolness keeps us alert. We'll be good. Be focused. It's good. And today's conversation really talks about rest. What is rest? And what does it mean to rest in a culture that is so busy and desires busyness. And this was an interesting topic that was brought about because it's affecting us in so many different ways. And it's affecting us in our personal lives or emotional lives. What is the call for rest? Especially thinking about what does it mean to Sabbath? What does it mean to live in those type of rhythms? And why is it so necessary and important? Especially as we have come out of the pandemic and we might all feel that urgency and push and pressure to get stuff done and jump back into it. But I think a lot of us are feeling that we just can't maintain that pace and it's affecting us. So I guess the question to start off is why are we so busy? Why are we so busy? Why does it feel like we're always busy? Why does when we have, why does it, when we ask people, how are you doing? A common answer is, oh, I'm, I'm really busy right now. <laughs> and why is that? Like, what is it about being busy? Like, why are we so busy? I think from an Asian immigrant side of things, we're probably, you know, some of it's ingrained into us to be productive, to have, you know, more control over some of the situations of what we're going through and, you know, how we use of our schedules and stuff like that. So I don't know, some of that's impressed upon us, but then, you know, we take the ball, we roll with it. And I don't know, but even the other side is that a lot of society kind of puts that on us. Even religious tradition, like Christian tradition, like, I don't know, I don't even know where that term, the idle hands are the devil's playthings. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you take the extreme of that to the other side. Okay, then we have to be really productive and we have to do everything. Can't be lazy. That Protestant work ethic. <laughs> so are we kind of saying that it has kind of roots in our philosophy, our ideology? And for us, maybe we've kind of adopted that being busy is good or it is part of being successful and and living the good life yeah i think that's part of it i also wonder like living the good life kind of that american 
pseudo Canadian dream, whatever Canadian dream is. Like there's also kind of the the progression, you know, during when capitalism began to rise and manufacturing and production and all of that kind of ingrained in this, we are striving towards something, mm. but never arriving at that something. So you kind of have to keep going in that hamster wheel to feel like you are part of society. Mm. Never ending progress, idolatry. Yeah, I think so. Wouldn't you call it a power and principality? Yeah. But you know what? Very few people will ever make that connection in that way. They will almost justify that it's not. That it's not a power and principality. It's just we need to hustle. So much kind of depends on us. We just need to keep being busy. And I find that that's kind of like people are, again, back to that control thing. Like They just want to or feel like they're in control when they realize a lot of it's not in their control. So the hustle is kind of like, let me hustle so I can have all my ducks in a row, have my finances paid, have have enough wealth for you know to be well off so I can retire and and, and die and pass it on to. <laughs> I keep going. Generational, yeah, generational. <laughs> it's like this mentality that keeps coming out there. But I, I do think it's a lot of it's control. Like, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know what Senior talked about power and principality. There's also the control over you, not just your sense of control, right? Because mm-hmm. then there's that sense that like. Yeah, I want control, but you realize it's not your control. It's something, some ideology that's controlling you to think that you are in control. It's very Matrix-like. <laughs> it's inceptioned you. Yes. Well, it's, and, and you know it's a, you know, a corrupted power when that drive becomes the ends itself, right? Like when people are no longer the end, like the 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 ultimate benefactor isn't the well-being and thriving of people, but that people become cogs in the machine. Mm. Um, and then they just get driven to the ground as a result of it. Mm. Um, and I, I think like from a structural perspective or even from an individual perspective, you can call that sin because that's what it looks like when people's well-being isn't taken in mind, when you know shalom isn't flourishing, when people's well-being isn't taken into consideration, when creation is being destroyed, when God isn't worshipped, like all of those things get factored in, which we then can understand that actually productivity, busyness, neoliberal capitalism, can I say that? Um, you can. Go for it. Go for it. Those become idols or gods to us. Let me also give this other perspective too, that I find as you get older and as a lot of the life stage kind of, you kind of move on in the life stage, I find people start losing capacity for, for doing more things or doing sure. things they like. And then you have more responsibility. You're, you know, you might have a family. You might have more work responsibility as you get up into the, you know, into your your job field and stuff like that. And then people just feel more overwhelmed. And then in the end, it, it kind of feels like they they get so busy that they want to do their own stuff too. So it gets even more busy, and it's just this vicious cycle <laughs> of busyness. And then you're like, so rest is at times it's just like okay. I think most people can only envision like a, a vacation. You know, like, let me get away from all this stuff and escape. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. rest is escapism. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's what it is. Well, and I wonder how much of it is the Toronto thing, too, right? Like, I mean, so, you know, on the West Coast, I think people really play, work hard to play hard. And then here in Toronto, I think we've just captured sort of a lot of more Americanisms. Okay, so all you Tro- not in Toronto folks, don't make fun of us. I think, I think it's more than just Toronto. I think it's an East Coast thing. Yeah. Like, I think there is a huge difference between East Coast, West Coast, in, yeah. in terms of that kind of culture. 
Well, I don't know. I lived in Montreal for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's just a Toronto thing. <laughs> I feel like Montreal has a good balance most days. It's a metropolitan city thing that I feel like, and because of some of the maybe immigration things that immigrants that we've had coming in, I, like I, and I joke around all the time. I don't, you know, I've, Toronto's so new Hong Kong at times. Like it's not, of course, as bustling, but that culture is here. Like with a lot of our people. Like even though you don't commute, like you know, through the subway, you, you're commuting in the car for that long, you know, kind of thing. And it's just like people are always moving around everywhere and filling up their schedule. Yeah, but it's the the immigrant mentality as captured by. The, the American dream, right? It's like the mm. American export of that ideology across the globe. We, we, we will call that, I think in my field, we would call that imperialism, right? Um, <laughs> and Big so, so I, it's this idea that people get captured by this idea of success, which America has done really well in marketing across the board for, what, the last almost a century. And then they bring that over to thinking, well, if we work hard, we will succeed. If we can get some leverage, and then, and then it, it manifests into all sorts of brokenness. Hmm. Which, which I think, actually, it's not just Toronto. No. Like, that actually impacts all, yeah. right? Yes. Yes. I think it's what's interesting is, as we're having this conversation, too, in my mind, I'm making these connection points toward what does it mean to follow Jesus too? What does it mean to be the church? And how these things have shaped and bled into our understanding and how easy it is. And like, I, I, when I say this, I'm, I'm saying it because I've heard it before, but there's this sense that like, oh, being busy equates to faithfulness or being busy is that sense of, of being enduring and diligent and it almost also validates kind of you know your own identity and that sense of self-worth whether it be you know personally or as a church as well and so it's interesting that we're talking about it because it seems like it's so easily justifiable because people will just say no like i'm doing something for god and therefore like i need to just continue to invest my life sacrifice we've talked about that in the past and in our, our podcast, it's like, you know, sacrifice, you know, family or your own personal life and mental health, because that's what God perhaps desires, even though that is a very broken, distorted understanding. Which is so funny because it's like, you're saying sacrifice in that way, but I would counter that Jesus would be saying, no, no, the sacrifice of the work for that, you can rest and trust in the one who is, you know, showing us what rest and work is supposed to be about. Yeah. And I find most people, and maybe just thinking about it, maybe we just don't have people who are good models of rest to mm. us. Like we have a lot of people who are good models of, of productive work. No, no doubt. People are really good at it, but we need people to be good models of rest as well. Disciple us in that. And not vacation rest. <laughs> no, no, no. Because I think like by the time you take a vacation, you're so exhausted already. <laughs> that's not actually a healthy rhythm of rest. And I, I know my dad loves to take naps. Is that a good model? Is that a good model? <laughs> Jesus oh, took a nap. So took yeah. A nap. yeah, there you go. <laughs> On the boat. No, no. <laughs> you know, siestas are cultural. That's right. Yeah. Something you you said caught my attention, right? Like we've got this narrative of doing things for God. And I think what we should be thinking about is doing things with God. Mm. And mm -hmm. so what how does that reorient us when we think about 
our lives doing things with God as opposed to for God. Because I don't think God needs us to do anything for him. I, I think he's got that sorted. But what would it look like to partner with God in his work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to also at the same time to be living by that rhythm too. God modeled it himself by resting on the seventh day. Yeah, and, and that imagination is so prevalent because uh, I was reading the book Sabbath as Resistant by Walter Brueggemann, and I, it's just how he depicts kind of the Exodus event was so fascinating because oftentimes we look at the Ten Commandments, we're like, oh, like these are the rules we've got to follow because, you know, God says <laughs> so. But embedded in it, you know, that fourth commandment about Sabbath was actually a disruption from the way of life mm-hmm. for the Israelites because they were like, oh, we should go back to Egypt, you know, like we have food. But then it's like, but you were working every day. <laughs> you had no rest. And this kind of coming out of Egypt is this kind of new way of life where rest is given. Like you can rest. Like you're invited to rest. You need to rest. And then kind of mimicking back to, you know, the, the creation story of how, you know, God rests. And so, so I think like that's the kind of imagination that I think even the church is still stuck in. Like, mm. oh, we, we, should, we should go back there, man. Uh, they have melons. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that intentional rest would look like because most people, when they think about Sabbath or rest, it's like, well, you want me to do nothing for a day? You know, it's always this kind of extreme that, that it's just like do nothing kind of thing. But I'm like, yes and no. Like Jesus did stuff on the Sabbath. And we're, we're like, and you look at, you know, Jewish people too. It's not like they're doing nothing, absolutely just lying prostrate or something like that, you know, doing nothing or something like that. Cryo chamber. Yeah, you know, like, but it's just like, we, maybe we don't have enough ways to help people think through what does that rest look like for you and how to help them discern that. And I wonder if it's like unique to the person too, like how you delight and how you experience God in different ways. Like it doesn't have to be the same. You know, for someone, like, it doesn't have to be, like, a Bible study every time you rest, right? Um, <laughs> for some, it might be. For some, it might be. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for some, hopefully not. We're, we're inclusive of all our listeners who might love doing Bible studies during Sabbath. I, I like reading the Bible on my Sabbath. I like having more time to read it. I like that, at least for me, as I'm living and de- developing what that means over the years, I ask myself the questions, can I be more present on this day, present with God, present with other people? Can I, do I have time and space to enjoy? And even if it is a, a sense where we are ceasing work, like you, you were saying, Shu, it's about doing those other things that are also as important for life. And it's harder and harder to, to be able to keep that and to be able to practice that and guard it because as we're talking about in a conversation, so much of culture, so much of the, the narratives in our lives continue to push back against it. And this conversation kind of sparked a little bit out of kind of looking at our own lives and, and thinking about rest as well. And so we kind of want to bring up a couple of the books like, you know, Bernard was just talking about Walter Brueggemann's book. We want to talk a little bit about John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and how hurry, and this can equate to busyness and the hustle, can be detrimental to the soul. And so how have you guys seen, and maybe whether it's in your own life or the lives of others, how has busyness and hurry 
been harmful for us in our soul and in our lives. Do you have an hour? Just kidding. (laughs) I think for me, coming out of the pandemic was really hard because I was merging a pandemic lockdown schedule with back to normal schedule. I don't know if you guys felt this at all, but um, because of the relentlessness of having open space to to fill up whenever, um, that constant access through the internet, it was really hard to shift. Um, and because my church has remained online for the most part, it was the transition has not been easy. I think it was it was I went from being, oh, uh, I have all these things set at this time for the last two years, and then all of a sudden, oh wait, actually, I now need to book in time for commuting, for example. Mm. I have to be downtown for a day or whatever it is um, for for my studies. Um, but it's also the the adjustment. It was I I've gone from being so I I used to really like being with people, um, and that's not to say I don't like being, but <laughs> I used to get really energized by being with people, mm-hmm. and that's starting to become true again. But there was. And then during the pandemic, I got used to the online thing, right? And so you stare, you stared at Zoom for hours and hours on end, and it would be fine because that was the pace. But now that I'm switching between that Zoom space and online or in person space, I've just become exhausted on both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not, I'm not used to staring at a screen for so long, and I'm also not used to being with people. And so I think for me, the hardest adjustment has been in, over the last year has been like, okay, how do I, how do I actually get rid of things in my schedule? What are things that I can let go of? What are things that I can safely put down? Um, and, and what are things I need to say no to? Because hmm. I, I think the other thing that I learned when I first adopted Sabbath was that I had, I had to finish everything so that I could have a day of rest. But that's not how that goes. Right. <laughs> you, you have to let go of things, right? Uh, because it's not possible for you to jam seven days worth of things into six days or, you know, <laughs> Even five days or five days. Yeah. Right. So um, I think that's something that I'm still learning to figure out what to do, because there's just so much all the time and you have yes. to say no. Leaving things unfinished. It sounds almost mm-hmm. heretical. <laughs> I know. That's interesting because I'm the opposite and I push things. So last minute, I'm trying to Rest as much as I can to burn the midnight oil to to finish things. So I feel like I, I'm on the opposite end of that, but I feel just as strained, you know, when I'm when I'm uh, when I'm in that that place. But yeah, I don't know for for myself too. I feel like um, a lot of people that I know right now during the pandemic. I don't know about you guys if you've seen this, but people are like trying to make up for lost time. Yes. They're yeah. trying There's a FOMO going yeah. on. Like yeah. so crazy that it's just like people are like trying to travel as much as possible, trying to go out as much as possible. And it's just like they don't want to be at home or they don't want to deal with the things that you know that we have to deal with in the, during the pandemic for so long. But make up the three years. A little bit. It's like we went through the you know, the the Marvel snap, you know, Marvel Universe <laughs> blip. The know. blip Thanos. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> but in reality, how does that even play out? If people are feeling that, oh, we lost this time, we need to make it up, how do you fit that into a year or, you know, in the future years where we have so much already that is on the go? It's, it's unrealistic, and yet there's, it doesn't stop us from feeling that. Just don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, you know, as we're kind of talking about things that we've heard from before, I've heard people say, like, you know, 
I'll, I'll rest when I'm dead. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I heard what? that. What? <laughs> you, you know, it's really funny. I was just watching this Facebook video or whatever, like those, those, I don't know, maybe they just know me, but influencers who want to help you with your dad bod. So it's just like, there's, yeah, there's this one guy who's just like, you want to get more fit? You want to stop having this, you know, you know, whatever, pot belly, whatever thing. You know, what's the first thing and main thing you got to do? Sleep. Like who would have thought that God would make your body that if you want to just be healthier, starts with good sleep. So you stop eating, you have to stop urging to eat, stop doing all these things, but yet your body has a natural thing within itself to go, wait, if you sleep, things will improve. If you rest, there's an important component. in there. Mm. I think we need to actually talk a little bit about how does it actually try to feel to make a shift too? Because we can talk about this in our head and we can know it. We need to practice Sabbath and we need to live in these type of rhythms, but it's a whole other bag to be able to say, how do we start working through the shift and how do we feel about it? Because I know for me, trying to make the shifts, it doesn't stop, at least for me, that feeling of pressure of things that still need to get done. And it's so hard to leave things unfinished. It's easier for me to just continue to try to push myself to complete everything. But I'm also feeling it, the effects on my body too. And I don't know if it's because of the pandemic. I don't know if it's because I'm over 40 now, and that's a wonderful thing, <laughs> but I can't push myself. Like, I found myself trying to push myself past like 12 or 12.30, and I'm all of a sudden like, I have, I've, I can't no do juice. it. No juice. Left no juice. Like, I, I've been trying to, you know, write papers for, you know, the, the, you know, for school, and around that time, I'm like, there's nothing coherent that I'm typing. And I'm just looking at the screen. I'm like reading blah, it back. Blah, 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 blah. Just like, I read it back in the morning. I'm like, well, it was a waste of time for me to write that paragraph because I have to write it over again. Yeah, that's funny because uh, I decided that I would work with my rhythm um, as opposed to fight it. So I write best between the hours of 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Oh, wow. And so I shifted my schedule upside down. So I take a nap in the afternoon. Oh, nice. Um, like those are just very intentional things that I do, because uh, that's I have the luxury to do that, right? I'm a professional student, um, and I can do that. And and my church is gracious. Uh, I'm on sabbatical right now, but when I was still working with church stuff, I they were very gracious. They worked with it. They knew, okay, if we call Xenia before nine, it better be an emergency because <laughs> she will probably not be awake. <laughs> To follow up on something that you said before, too, even about like being with people, right, where it used to be life-giving and it used to be something that you really enjoyed, and then later on feeling that like, okay, I can't push myself to do that anymore. Do you still feel the pressure of being like, I need to try to get back to what I felt like before? Um, I, I personally don't. Um, I, I think people, people invite me out a lot and I go, oh. No, that's not what I feel like today. I just can't. And, you know, most of my friends are really understanding of that. They're like, oh, yeah, you're living by your limits. Okay. Um, but wow, I, that's great. Yeah, they can I have, recognize that. I have really good friends. Mm. Um, and and I, I have really good family around me, right? So if I say I'm not doing work today, they'll look at me. Are you not doing work or are you actually spending time with us? Um, and honestly, most Sabbaths, you could probably find me on a walk or cooking because I love cooking. 
actually, um, or reading a book on the couch mm. with coffee under a blanket. Very nice. Many books. Many books. Many, well. many, many books. <laughs> stacks and stacks. Right. A whole library is gone but through in one day. There is something that you said that I think is pretty key to thinking about Sabbath too, because I think a lot of times we think about Sabbath and we think about like like our own Sabbath. Yes. Like if we just do it ourselves, it's like, it's my thing. Um, what I really love about Marva Dawn's book, Keeping Sabbath Holy, like she talks about how, how do you help someone else Sabbath? Like, how do you intentionally think of alleviating some of the responsibilities or, you know, helping kind of create that environment and space where, you know, someone that you love, you care for, like, they can actually rest. And I think, like, that's something we don't often talk about. Um, or maybe we don't know how to invite people into that space, into those conversations where it's like, yeah, you know what? I need your help because uh, <laughs> I, I need to rest. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about... uh when Jesus healed the the what was it the lame the lame man with his hand, um, and then the Pharisees were like, "Well, why are you doing this on the Sabbath?" And in thinking about that, it's not just like you know that personal. It's like, oh, you shouldn't do something because it was Jesus. Your personal Sabbath time. It's just like Jesus flips it and goes. It's not just even about this personal Sabbath time. It's like I'm trying to help someone so that we can be in communion. We can be in Sabbath together. Mm, the rest right. that we have together. So. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, and it's not judgmental, right? Like, it's about holding space mm-hmm. and committing together. Um, I think sometimes, especially in Christian circles, especially circles that some of my church folk have been in, a lot of these things are really rigid, and they're head, held over people's heads. Mm. And that's not what we want. Sabbath Camp, is something. Can't press the elevator button. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Sabbath is about delighting in God, delighting in other people, delighting in creation. And that does mean you still cook. It does mean you still take out the trash. It still means spending time with your kids. But the orientation looks different. I, I, I'm kind of wrestling with this question too, though. Because um, in our discussion, and even from our context, we come from more like a middle, middle class, middle upper class yeah. community. I think about people who are you know, living paycheck to paycheck. You know, People who are single parents. Multiple and, jobs. Yeah, and how difficult it is um because this sounds almost like a luxury you know um (laughs) but then you know even in our conversation about like well how do we then rejig our environments and how we we shift our posture to see sabbath as kind of communal and holistic um and how to also recognize that there are there might be some socioeconomic uh, differences that different people are experiencing um that is harder to to sabbath in in what we imagine a Sabbath. Yeah. So I'm really glad you brought it up because I was thinking, how do I segue this article that I was reading? I don't remember what the title is, (laughs) but it's like kind of like trickle down economics. Mm. Um, But it's the trickle down busyness, right? So if people who are at the top work really hard and it's this, and it's status thing that to be busy means to be good, means to be successful, but that attitude actually trickles down. And it works its way down all the way to the bottom, where people who are working paycheck to paycheck at minimum wage are also being told, you have to keep busy, which actually is oppressive. Wow. Yeah. Right? And so if we can change this, and we have, as middle class people, we actually have middle to upper class. I don't know where all you are. But... <laughs> or certain privilege. Of right, it, right. Certain privilege. Yeah. We have the leverage to actually change that culture. 
because if we change it, we actually can actually we can actually bring change to those who are who are marginalized. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It, but it also means that our churches should be full of people who are from all the whole spectrum of the socioeconomic mm. the socioeconomic spectrum, right? So, um, what does it look like to babysit a single mom's kids, right? Or you know, lend a hand with cooking or have communal meals or something like that. Um, it, it's more intentional than maybe some of us are living. And it's not the Canadian way. I, I had a really funny conversation with a friend and he goes, well, so part of the reason why house churches have a really hard time in Canada is because Canadians are friendly, but they're not really good at inviting people into their own homes. Um, and so what does it look like for us to actually run counter to that, um, to bring home wherever we go, but also offer home to other people? Yeah. It's definitely Sabbath and rest is part of that bigger equation of, of discipling and follow, following Christ within there. And I just like, the more you guys talk, it's just like, how can we make that a part of that discipleship and that we are looking out for other people, even to the systems that they're a part of and the space that we want to create with them. And, and if we're serious about churches being, you know, extending that presence of Christ, then that's part of, you know, what, what we should be imagining or the responsibility that God gives us. And I don't know, Bill, I want to say building for the kingdom, but we're also saying, <laughs> don't just do, do, do all this stuff, but you know, right. Yeah. You know, we often use, I know like missional language is passe now. Like it's, uh, it's never used that word again. But, <laughs> it's but, in the name of our podcast. <laughs> but even thinking about, like, you know, you said Sabbath in the presence of God and, and you know, for the kingdom. Like, I, I think embedded into Sabbath is also a very theological, like, it's a very missional. Mm. Like, there is this embodying of kind of like almost like the this eschatological, like the future, like the, mm-hmm. the eternal rest kind of idea. A way and, of life. Yeah. And if you, and, if you embody it, it's it's hopeful for people. It's it's a good news for people. It's not like, you know, oh, we're just resting because uh, we, we want to be, uh, you know, idle hands and whatnot. But but there's an <laughs> intentionality that's kind of like flourishing through rest. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's like deeply missional. Oh, thanks for that because I'm, I'm preaching on this on Sunday. So I'm all right, steal that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just quote you. Just uh, just, just, uh, just play yeah. on this podcast. Play on yeah, it. that's right. <laughs> Hokushu has four voices. <laughs> and then he's got to re- explain all the terms. That's right. That's right. Which could be the, you know, the second half of your sermon. There you go. It's all, it's all done. But I, one of the things that, that has been actually more and more coming out of this conversation from today has been how community plays a part in Sabbath as well. And how communal, how communal it is that it's not only a personal or individual responsibility, but it's of of living into a way of life where we are able to also be caring for others as well and helping them to live in a rhythm of Sabbath and together as churches to live in that as well. And it's never going to be just rest in terms of escapism or even just rest as in terms of, okay, you need a break. We'll give you a break so that you can come back and to be more productive, which... Be more busy. (laughs) Exactly, right? Yeah, that defeats the purpose. And it defeats the purpose, but how often do we feel the pressure that like, okay, if we're going to go on to take a week off as really like Sabbath, that there is the pressure that, okay, all these things need to get done before you go. And then when you come back, 
you need to catch up on all these things. And it almost feels like once you get back from rest that you almost wish you didn't take the week off because it's so busy <laughs> yeah. once you get back. And, but, that, but that's a culture thing, right? And that's also like not recognizing the limits and honoring them. It's not living by grace in that way. But it's so easy just to co-opt kind of either the, you know, the American dream, Canadian dream, whatever it is, or the idols of productivity and to just, you know, to live out of that and try to squeeze, try to, trying to squeeze Sabbath into that will never work. It's always going to be pulling in two different directions. And hopefully for us together, we can figure that out both personally and for one another that we never get to a place where we are just willing to neglect Sabbath because, you know, we justify that it's okay that we can just let it pass, that we can just keep busy and, and hurrying and, and not realizing how, how it's harming us. Well, yeah. And I think it's the, I want to say that naming and negotiating with and wrestling with that tension is actually good and holy work. Yeah. Because it says, I am actively wrestling and thinking about what it means to be a Christian in the world. And what does it mean to follow Jesus? Mm. So if you're saying that tension, you're really frustrated, lean into it and invite God into that process. Because mm. if you don't, uh, it's a missed opportunity. Who knew that some of church work would just be, how do we rest well? Yeah. It's like the hardest conversation. Yeah. <laughs> the church in Hamilton, like I always really love what they do. Like I think I think it was like after Christmas or Easter, one of the, the major church events, and then they, you know, have all these stuff that's happening, right? Usually those are our busiest times. And then they'll have like nap Sunday. So like yes. bring bring your pillow, bring, you know, your sleeping bags or whatever it is that you need and come in PJs and we'll just nap. Um and like what a what a weird but amazing spiritual discipline to do together, mm. um, and like even even like stretching the imagination, right? Like instead of bringing your, well, maybe maybe you should too, uh, you know, bringing the things that you can enjoy, right? Yeah. So like just it's very fascinating. So much to chew on in this conversation as we wrap up today, and I would encourage you guys, our listeners, to continue to work this out and wrestle with this with your communities with your families and to consider what is God doing and pointing out to us and how is he shaping us and it might seem a little countercultural or might seem like it is pushing back on something but we would really encourage you guys to do that and let us know reach out to us as always and, and let us know what you think of our conversation and how you're wrestling with it you can always get in touch with us by email at contact.campodcast at gmail.com. That's contact.campodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And also share this podcast with others because that helps this conversation to continue to grow and invite more people to be part of it. Once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.